0: against something, anti-this, anti-that. Now he's using this. He's got a crutch because he's a bad candidate, and he always does this. He's going to fail again. You're right. He's desperate. Yeah. Uh, almost it's over, Ron. It's
1: almost yeah. done, yes. Ron. Almost done. All right. Ron DeSantis, surrogate Larry Sharp, thank you very much hmm. for coming on the show. That was a joke. Just- uh, <laughs> John Fugel sang. And Thanks for having me and my wife, Scotty. Yes, Nell. Scotty Nell Hughes. He's yes, going to be
2: on the couch they make tonight. Very, yes. The proverbial titty <laughs> couch.
1: Very nice. Joe DeSantis. Uh, uh, in the break. <laughs> that does it for us tonight. Thanks for watching Van Fieldstone.
3: It is Friday night. Welcome, everyone. We have breaking news to bring you on this Friday night. And yet again, it is about that escaped killer the escaped prisoner in Pennsylvania, who now 350 to 400 officers are tracking tonight. Danilo Cavalcante apparently has been sighted yet again today. You're going to get news uh, from a former U.S. marshal who's got breaking news on what has happened today. This is exclusive information on this uh, escaped killer, but I can tell you I was about to come to air a few moments ago with eight confirmed sightings and maybe, just maybe, one other confirmed sighting this morning, but we are just learning now there is actually good information of a confirmed sighting yet again today. So that's now nine confirmed sightings, and I've got other information that will make your skin crawl, and that is that the area where they are looking at right now is very affluent, and it turns out many of the homes that are there are second homes and therefore are unoccupied. You're about to hear from a guest who's going to tell you that they now know that Danilo Cavalcante has been inside some of those unoccupied homes. They have confirmed this, that he has been inside some of those unoccupied homes. Uh, We're going to find out why they know that, what they have discovered. Not only that, but some of the surveillance that they're capturing of him on these trail cams has shown that the backpack that he somehow got himself lined up with once he was sprung from prison. The backpack is now laden with supplies. Going to give you all of that information with our special guest in just a moment. I also have other news I want to give you about this prison break. You know, here we are, day nine. And nine days ago, what he did to scale out like Spider-Man has actually now led to a man who worked at that prison for 18 years being relieved of his duties. The tower guard who was working when this happened. And again, you can look at two things, the Spider-Man maneuver of Cavalcante right there and then the guy on the bottom right. Who knows if he was just hanging out in the rec yard or a lookout. In the wreck yard, we don't know that yet, but we do know that the fallout from that was that the tower guard on duty 18 years has now been fired. We don't know if it's because dereliction of duty, or we don't know if it was actually something else like complicit behavior we don't know either of those or something else we just know the guy who was in charge is now out uh they've pushed the search area for Cavalcanti now on this we're going in now on day nine uh they've pushed it west last night if you were watching the show there was a bevy of activity going on in the longwood gardens area which is not far from that prison uh but it got ugly and the reporters were told move it there was a lot of activity and energy and now we know why uh Here's why they were, like, called to action and they evacuated the Longwood Gardens. First, they locked down the Longwood Gardens. Then they evacuated the Longwood Gardens. Then they closed that botanical garden. And it's still closed tonight. And people who are in that area are still under lockdown if they haven't been evacuated. Here's why. There was an image that was discovered on Wednesday night. So that would be the night before. But the problem was... They only discovered the image yesterday. So it was taken Wednesday night. I guess a trail cam, maybe a a door cam. I'm not being told where they got the image, but they got an image of Cavalcante on Wednesday night in the Longwood Gardens area. But it didn't become known until law enforcement until Thursday night when all of a sudden, all this business, you can see on your screen, it was just a, a beehive of activity. And we were told it was a rapidly evolving situation, obviously, because he was there. Uh, whether he's still there, that's the $64,000 question. A couple of other things I want to let you know about tonight. Um, We've got some really good video of the command center that they've now set up and it's filled with officers. And this is a multi-agency, multi-jurisdictional effort to find this guy, right? So now they've got this great command center. Check this out. It's And it's action packed. They were giving us great access to it today. But that's where everybody's kind of setting all of the management, all of the tactical, all of the strategy. And clearly the the leader there, Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens, uh, calling the shots too. they've got a big, giant map in that room. Is really cool. And at any given time in that room, you can look at that map and you can see where every single deployed officer uh, that's searching for um, uh, Danilo Cavalcante is. I want to bring in John Muffler, if I can, right now. Uh, he is the man who once oversaw the U.S. Marshals who are hunting. Cavalcante right now he's a former assistant chief deputy us Marshal of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania and he now owns a security consulting company John I know that you um, are still really close with your guys that you you know you supervised a lot of the guys who are on the hunt right now what are you hearing about the latest um, as we go into you know ten o'clock at night on a Friday night Eastern time
4: yeah we uh, I think we all want this to be over uh, sooner than later just like uh, the citizens of the area. I know they're tired, but uh, they're the best in the business. And uh, you know, I, again, this is this is going to end sooner than later. But you know, it's uh, it takes time to to get the resources and get the assets in place. Um, you know, it's been nine days, but it's only been nine days. Um, some of these other escapes have lasted, as you know, weeks if not a month or so. So uh, you know, I think uh, they have the right assets in place. And my understanding is that more assets. Federal assets, specialized assets are on their way there for a full court press.
3: All right. Well, that's a new piece of information, more specialized federal assets on the way. Also, help me uh, flesh out this new nugget of information that you've just um, exclusively helped us break tonight. And that is that there was a very reliable sighting of Danilo Cavalcante today. What do you know?
4: Uh, I know that's very reliable. I can't really say much more than that. But it sounds, but it's super positive news um, based on um, the information I heard about um, who um, had the sighting. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But it's a it's a very good sighting and uh, something they're working on uh, specific to that information
3: as we speak well that's also i mean here we are friday night usually we have kind of a quiet show and not the case yet again tonight so i got to ask you about this other information that you now are able to bring to us and that is that this area is affluent a lot of these homes are unoccupied because they're second homes and now we can break tonight this information that there there is proof that he has been in some of these homes what do you know
4: yeah that, that area is it's a beautiful area i used to live in the area um, the Longwood Gardens is is a beautiful place. Uh, a lot of single homes, a lot of, a lot of rural rural area, uh, horse farms, and a lot of those uh, homeowners have second homes elsewhere. And I know that uh, some of these, uh, what I'm told is, uh, some of these homes are you know unoccupied for whatever reason, and uh, they've known to they've gone in there. Some of the investigators is part of their uh, search, gone in there and, and looked around. Um, and they can do that based on exigent circumstances uh, because of the sure. escaped uh, prisoner, and so they they know he's they know he's been in some of these places.
3: Is that because he's left um, you know evidence behind, garbage, food that he's eaten and strewn about, uh, broken windows? Is there? I mean, that's just the, the layperson's assessment. What's the specialty that you would know that he's been in there?
4: Yeah. So some forced entry, some markings in the doors. Um, you know, just you know, breaking and entering to get in there. There's some of those scrape marks by doors that are an indicator of a uh, you know a forced entry, and then looking around the house and seeing things disheveled. Um, you know, cabinets kind of uh, open, etc.
3: So I missed the last thing you said, but I did when you said disheveled. Did you see? Any beds slept in or sofas slept on? Like that's where he's finding shelter in these break-ins?
4: It's possible. I don't know that. Uh, I can't really, I can't answer that. I just don't know that. But, um, you know, it stands to reason that he's going to have, he has to get rest somewhere. And uh, it's possible. I just don't, I can't confirm that uh, at all. But uh, it's likely.
3: So the other, the other big question is, you know, so many, almost everybody, uh, you know, you can, you can toss a stone and you'll hit somebody with a ring doorbell cam. Do you know if they've been able to see him on any ring doorbell cams doing a break-in?
4: Uh, as far as the video doorbells, um, I can't confirm that 100% with you. Um, I know that they, that, is, that is a, that is a you know, common uh, investigative uh, tool to use is go to neighbors and look at their video doorbells and find that. It's very possible. Um, that is a very common investigative technique. So, yeah, I can't confirm that specifically, but it wouldn't surprise me.
3: And have they put out a call to, to all those residents? Check your Ring doorbell cams, especially if it's a second home, especially if your dwelling is unoccupied. Look at your, you know, your your doorbell cam, and let us know.
4: One hundred percent. I know that you know the, the troopers, the marshals, the agents that are involved in this. Um, and you know, you, you had access to that to that uh, command post today. Um, that's information that the investigators, no matter what uniform they're wearing. They're all looking at that. They're all asking those questions. They're all knocking on those doors and asking neighbors, uh, you know, what do you have? What what have you seen? What's the anomaly? What doesn't belong here?
3: That gives me the willies, just the notion that he's in those homes, uh, those people are going to know about it soon if they don't already. Uh, John, I'm going to ask you to stand by, but you've always got a wealth of information. I want to tap into you uh, as need be as we continue this breaking news coverage. If you could stand by for one moment, I want to bring in Alex Pyle. Um, Alex works at a store that's been inside that perimeter Uh, for the last eight days. He lives within a few miles of the search area. He's live with me. So, Alex, um, I'm not sure if you could hear the interview that I was just doing before you with John Muffler. He's a former U.S. Marshal, but he's said they've now confirmed that some of those homes that are unoccupied uh has been in there uh disheveled areas beds maybe or couches um and scrape and break-in marks on the doors this is your neighborhood I, I I can only imagine how that makes you feel
5: um it's news to me um I didn't know anything about that we're just uh, uh really going off of our local customer base and and the customers that come in to us and um tell us about their experience and, um, what they're going through. So, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a, it's an update to, I guess, a lot of people that that's happening, that he's found refuge in, uh, abandoned homes or not abandoned homes, but, uh, vacation homes. And, um, something that I've never, never, uh, been told about. So, um, all I know is that, uh, our local customer base is, um, the ones that can come into the store and can get to us, are um, they're happy to be out and they're happy to, to be uh, in the community again and, and not stuck in their homes.
3: Alex, and one of the other things that John Muffler told us was that they've they've seen evidence now that the backpack that he found or took or stole or got somehow after he left prison, because he didn't have it at that jail, uh, it's laden. It's full of supplies now, uh, presumably from some of the homes that he's been in, according to um, this breaking news tonight. You've got kids, Um, you and your wife. How are you? What are you doing at night? How are you keeping yourselves and your kids safe?
5: Uh, that's, I guess that's everybody's, uh, concern too. I mean, um, I don't live directly in the area that, uh, this search is going on. And, um, I, I know that our local customer base has told me about a lot of things that they're experiencing. Um, I'm uh, confident in my family to protect ourselves. So I, I know that we're okay, but, um, we always worry, you know, this guy's going South and, um, he could go into the area that I live, and and we, everybody's locking their doors. They're they're becoming more um, aware of uh, doors that they've never locked before in their lives, and and getting you know security cameras, getting lights on outside. Um, we've noticed a huge uh, influx of keys that we're selling, um, um, locks, uh, uh, flashlights, um, anything to detect uh, things that they weren't commonly used to. So. Um, I know that makes sense. That's, that makes
3: sense yeah. Yeah. Can, can I jump in for a moment? I only have about uh, forty seconds left, but you know, a lot of people I'm learning have shown up there as vigilantes, uh, looking for the twenty thousand dollar reward. Have you seen any evidence of that? And and if so, are you happy about it? Or are you frustrated by it? How how are you processing the vigilantes?
5: Um, well, we we've been very um, kind of happy about the police, the police presence in the area and these new people that are coming in to, to help with the situation, whether they're vigilantes or they're other groups, we just don't know what they're what they're about. We, we hope that they're going to be safe, that they're going to um, not cause any problems, but we don't know them. We, we, we're happy with the Pennsylvania State Police and what they're doing so far. They're protecting as well as they can, but these other people, we don't know what they're about and and what their motives
3: are. Alex Pyle, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. I'm, uh, I'm praying for you and all your neighbors that you're going to be okay and that this is going to be wrapped up. This is day nine. It's nine days too many. Uh, so stay safe out there, you and your family, okay? Great.
5: Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: Alex Pyle joining us live. You know, um, I mentioned before when I showed you the pictures of the um, of the command center, the guy who is in charge of all of this from the state police is Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens. And he said earlier that given this escapee's past, he's not the least bit surprised that he is still out there on day nine. Have a listen to this.
6: Came from a very poor background, is uh, uh, not foreign to hardship. Um, after the crime that he committed down there, he did something very similar to this uh, in the jungle down there. So uh, it's not surprising to me that he's able to, to last out there for a little while. Uh, again, he's no stranger to hardship. So uh, I, I think he can probably
4: endure for a little bit.
3: Well, we also learned that, you know, while he was hiding out from a murder down in Brazil, he was hiding out in the trees. And that's why he has this experience of staying hidden that he was actually sleeping in the trees while he was uh, avoiding prosecution in brazil for another murder um so listen uh, it it is are his days numbered (laughs) because there's 350 to 400 guys out there and the noose is tightening right it's a flood the zone kind of search so i thought about this for a long time and wanted to ask a 10-year veteran of the navy seals joel lambert has gone up against some of the best human trackers in the world who were pursuing him while he hosted a Discovery Channel show called Manhunt. He is considered the world authority on escape and evasion. Joel, thank you so much for being on. I wanted to get your take on all of this, Then this is right up your alley.
6: Yeah, it really is. Thanks for having me on, Ashley. And What you were saying, I've been listening to the whole show, and I mean, the, 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 situation, this guy's prepared for it. He has the skills more importantly, or maybe more importantly or as importantly as the skills that he has, he has the experience and the mindset he's been through this before that area that he's in is rich with, um, it's target rich environment. There's tons of water. There's tons of food, um, farmland, backyard gardens, obviously these houses that he can break into and, and find, um, find canned food, uh, dry food, things like that. Um, It's it's really, this guy, I think, could survive as long as he wants to in this environment. It's a matter of time, though, because so many people are on this manhunt. And like you you pointed out earlier, there's so many factors involved. Ring doorbell cameras, trail cams, um, people checking on their houses, realizing this is going on, and asking neighbors to drive by. There's just too much attention on the area. The guy's only chance, in my opinion, is to break the police line Get on the other side and, and get out of the area of search. And hopefully, um, these guys are too professional and they've got it locked down.
3: Yeah, really. Let's hope that. Okay, when when we talked last at length, uh, we were on the the hunt for Brian Laundry because he was somewhere out there. Turned out he was dead, but they were tracking Brian Laundry. And you said something so interesting. I wanted to bring it back to our audience tonight. You told us about the rule of threes when you're when you're on a manhunt. Uh, what is it and what does it mean?
6: Well, the rule of threes is an old survival adage, and what it says is you can survive or we can survive as humans. We can survive three hours without shelter, three days without water, and three weeks without food. And the whole point of having that is that that prioritizes your energy expenditures in a survival situation or an escape evasion situation like this that has a large survival component to it. So when you are making your choices as to what you're going to spend your time and your energy on, you first take into account – you know, shelter. My and shelter is anything that protects your physical body, your flesh. So shelter can be a fire, it can be a house, it can be a shed, it can be a tent, it can be the clothing that you're wearing, anything that protects your body from the elements. So depending on what the situation is, where he's at, um, shelter would be the first thing that you check off and say, Okay, I need to deal with this, I need to make a fire, I need to find shelter, or I'm gonna be okay. It's temperate, the the weather is forecast to be to, to be nice. Um, you know, it's not going to be freezing tonight, move on to the next thing, what I have to deal with, um, water, water is the next thing. And these are things, and there are other aspects to that. Those are three aspects of survival, um, shelter, food and water, but also there's navigation, um, signaling, things like that. And so these are all things that you factor into an order of importance to survive before you um, accomplish whatever goals you have.
3: Well, and then theres we just put them up on the screen, so I'm just going to let our audience know what it was. Um, It was the four F's of stress and adrenaline, and that is the fight, flight, freeze, or focus. And we don't know which one of those he's in. I have to cut it there, but will you stay sort of tuned into us? Because I, I feel like at some point this is just going to blow wide open. They're going to catch him. And then there's a whole other series of questions I have for you, and that is, what happens to him then? How does he get thrown into the back of the van? How is he treated? How, I mean, there's just a million things I you know, want to be a fly on the wall. Joel Lambert, I just love talking to you. Thank you for this.
6: Thanks for having me on again, Ashley. Always a pleasure.
3: Okay, well, my pleasure. Really, I, I just am a huge fan. All right, so still to come, this was uh, supposed to be a routine court hearing. It went way off the rails today. Uh, you've probably seen this, this YouTube star. She's charged with six counts of child abuse, but her YouTube channel is about parenting. Today in court, she completely flipped the script. She accused one of her own kids, one of her own alleged victims, of being a serial abuser themselves. She says her her child may have abused as many as 20 victims, and that's why she parented the way she did. What the hell? Oh, we're going to dig into this in a moment, and we're still watching that manhunt back after this.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. Talk to your local
3: agent today. She had 2.3 million subscribers on YouTube for her parenting advice. 2.3 million people watched Ruby Frankie to see about her parenting tips. And, And she was a tough love kind of parent. A lot of her followers did not like what they saw. And ultimately, it has led to these images. That is the YouTuber who's now been arrested. Are you ready for this? Two counts each of... Multiple physical injuries or torture to her own kids, starvation or malnutrition that jeopardizes life to her own kids, causing severe emotional harm. All of this because her 12-year-old jumped out a window and went to the neighbors begging for food and water. And um, we just, we had to, like, we were trying to figure out, she's in court today, and her, she's, her defense all of a sudden has completely flipped the script. She said to the judge, I was a tough parent because one of my minor kids (laughs) has been sexually abusing other kids and another one of my kids. And so the two of my kids have been sexually abusing and abusing. Are you kidding me? In case you're wondering what kind of parenting advice this parenting YouTuber used to dole out, I decided to go and grab some and put it together so you could get a, a snapshot. Take a look.
6: My bedroom was taken away for seven months and then you give it back like a couple weeks ago.
7: I don't think our viewers know that. You've been uh, sleeping
6: on a beanbag. I've been sleeping on a beanbag since October. <laughs> and then they gave my room back like two weeks ago.
7: If you cut one more thing in my house, We're its head off. <laughs> I'm going to take the scissors, look at me, and I'm going to cut its head off. God, i so just got a text message uh, from Eve's teacher and she said that Eve did not pack a lunch today and can I bring a lunch over to the school? This happens quite often when you're having raising children um, because I know that her teacher is uncomfortable with her being hungry and not having a lunch and it would ease her discomfort if I came to the school with lunch Um, but I I responded and just said Eve is responsible for making her lunches in the morning and she actually told me she did pack a lunch so the natural outcome is she's just going to need to be hungry and hopefully hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her a lunch and my kids are literally starving I hesitate to say this because it's gonna sound like I'm like mean barbarian, but I told the kids, I said, I'm not even gonna let you eat breakfast (laughs) until you get your chores done. You get your socks picked up and don't you leave your stuff out anymore. Right over there. Run and go pick them up, and then give me ten push-ups. Put them in your pocket so you can take them down to the hamper and drop and give me ten. One. Put your hands straight out. They're in. They're not supposed to be out. Shape your hands forward. There you go. One. Two, down further, bring your butt down.
3: Okay, some of you are going to be disgusted with what you just saw. And I think some of you are going to say, look, she did not hit them. She was parenting in a tough way, and we can parent our kids the way we want, right? But I know that all of you, all of you are going to have the same reaction to what I'm about to show you. And that was the 911 call from those neighbors, because when that 12-year-old jumped out the window and came begging to their home for food and water, they discovered that child with duct tape around the wrists and the ankles. And the effect on the neighbor, the man who called 911, is what is going... You're not going to forget it. Listen to the 911 call.
8: He has duct tape around each ankle. Yeah, there's sores around them. Oh, and he has them around his
6: ankles. I mean, his wrists as well. Okay, this boy has been...
5: Please,
8: please. This kid has obviously been, I think he's been, he's been detained.
3: So, I'm not wrong. If you watch that and you still think it's okay, that's good parenting, then we're not the same. We're just never, ever going to see eye to eye. <laughs> we're not. And that is why Ruby Frankie is in court and now accusing her little kids of abusing kids. And that's why she's a tough parent. That's her story. Presumably, she's sticking to it. I should tell you that 10 year old um, that 12 year old had a 10 year old sibling in the house. And when the police responded, they got the 12 year old to the hospital. They got the 10 year old to the hospital. They took a 14 14- and a 16 year old out as well. There are two adult children. 18 and 20 and the 20 year old said finally she's been arrested finally she's been on their radar for four years she's got a husband named kevin frankie who says oh i didn't know we're separated for more than a year except that these folks have been on their radar for four years with the complaints there's a lot i don't know but i know someone who does documentary and filmmaker and youtube commentator who's been um, who's got the name swoop She's been following this case closely for more than a year, made a documentary about the abuse allegations. You go by the name Swoop, so I will use the name Swoop. What have I missed in this horrendous um, narrative that I've just laid out?
2: Uh, Well, Ashley, first, thank you for having me. And I don't think that you've missed uh, much in terms of you've hit some really key points even when you first mentioned that some people might look at this type of behavior that's been displayed in Ruby's vlogs and think that oh well if it's not physical in those instances that it's somehow not abusive Uh, but we need to also remember the very key factor here which is mental abuse psychological abuse and the type of trauma that this can be projecting onto these kids for many many years Uh, the the thing that you know I have been tracking when I was following this story and when I made the documentary was in seeing the fact that Ruby was willing to vlog this type of behavior and, and put it out into the world that this is the way that you should be uh, handling and punishing your children if they act out in ways that you don't want to. So we saw so many examples uh, in, contained in her own vlogs that she thought was even safe and fine to be broadcasting to the world and be profiting off of at their expense and things that they can't even consent to at this point.
3: So I want to get your reaction, Swoop, to what Ruby said in court today. Uh, She said, I parent in a tough way because one of my children, and the way she alluded to it was that it would be a minor child. This would be one of the minor children, not the adult children. One of my children sexually abused another child, and then those two together went out and sexually abused up to 20 more. I... I I threw up in my mouth when I heard that. Um, Is this going to fly? She didn't present any evidence, did she?
2: Anything? I have not seen any evidence that was presented at all. And I think throwing up in the mouth is absolutely the appropriate response there. I was absolutely disgusted and horrified to see her try to flip it like that. You know, we see in cases, in stories when we're discussing things of abuse, whether it's adults or children, uh, a tactic called DARVO. It's deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. And I was absolutely just horrified to see that this might be a tactic that she is going to utilize against a child we usually see that in cases of abuse between adults and to see something like that to to accuse a child of sexually assaulting other other children other family members people in the neighborhood it's just it's just horrifying i i had no idea in in all of the things that i've seen her present to the world uh, over the last several years i never thought that she would go so far and stoop so low as to Accuse her own children of being abusive when every sign has pointed to her abusing these children and her. Uh,
3: and, and there's the evidence. I mean, look, there's that 911 call. That is hard evidence. And there's a witness and there are adult children who attest to some of this behavior. Will you come back? We're only at the beginning of this story, but I mean, you really are the expert on it. Will you come back and join us again, Swoop? Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm sorry we're meeting under these circumstances, but we will see you again soon. Um, And we will continue to follow that story, folks. For this next one, I also need you to pour a tall one. Because you're about to enter the universe of millionaires, mansions, and murder for hire. Throw in a little sex, guns, and three Rolls Royces, and you've got yourself a true crime blockbuster. But why do you suppose the rich wife in these pictures, who spent 50 grand a month on luxuries, might now be struggling to scrape together a couple of nickels for the jail commissary? The answers and the drama next.
0: Introducing Bluehost Cloud And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts any time you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com.
3: You know, in a way, I wish I were Tatiana Remley. Um, because her party budget was $50,000 a month just to live. And when I say party budget, I mean her luxury budget. Uh, she lived in a $5 million mansion in uh, Del Mar in California, north of San Diego. She had a $2.5 million spread in Hawaii with her husband. Uh, three Rolls Royces. Three Rolls Royces, you heard me. A Ferrari, two black pickup trucks, I'm not sure what make. Um, and sometimes the parties, like you're seeing here, the party budget just to go out and party with her husband there on the right, that was $30,000 a night for those parties. So I say in some ways, I wish I were Tatiana Remley. And then I really am glad I'm not (laughs) because she's sitting in a San Diego jail right now. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that anybody's putting money in her comms, like her commissary, right? I don't know if she can get Cheetos right now. So she went from 50K a month to somebody trade me for some Cheetos in the commissary. And here's how it happened she was picked up on a murder for hire plot of uh, allegedly going after her husband, trying to have him killed. Mark Remley, her husband, who now is missing. He was last seen 10 days ago. The price for the hit, the police say, was two million bucks. She was going to pay a hitman two million bucks. The reason they have all this money is that Mark there on the right, husband who's missing, he inherited $26 million from his parents. Maybe I should have said I want to be Mark. Uh, but this was an 11-year marriage. It was acrimonious and ugly. And, and li- listen to this now. This is where it gets crazy. July 2nd, a fire breaks out at that mansion. Okay, Mark thinks it's her. Police investigate. And they do arrest her on suspicion of gun charges. But what they uncover, they say, is a murder-for-hire plot. And about a month after they've uncovered this, they set up a sting at a Starbucks. And wouldn't you know it, they arrest her for the murder for hire, for the $2 million, kill my husband, please, at the Starbucks. She's charged with solicitation of murder, carrying a concealed weapon in a vehicle, carrying a loaded firearm. Okay, and then a month after that, on August 28th, the news actually gets out that she's been arrested for this. But the day before that, something really crazy happened. Mark came screaming up to the mansion in his Ferrari, throws it into park, and then runs to the neighbor's house screaming, I'm having a seizure. And they call an ambulance, and it takes him away to the hospital. And they never see him again. And now he's missing. There is some reporting that Mark himself found the plot. We don't know that for sure yet. For Tatiana's part, she says there were extreme threats of physical violence against her by Mark, uh, including being threatened by a knife and having a gun put to her head. And she alleges that she was even violently raped by some of his friends while he watched. There is some reporting that at some point uh, somebody ran screaming out of one of his houses naked. I think it was his ex-wife before Tatiana. She's got a preliminary hearing on November 16th, but Mark is still MIA. What happened after he came screaming up the driveway in the Ferrari, uh, threw it into park, that's the Ferrari, and then ran to the neighbors saying I'm having a seizure. They call 911, the ambulance comes uh, and takes him away and now nobody knows where he is. So naturally I want to know if his business partner knows anything. And it turns out his business Tatiana. And guess who's live with me after the break? not go anywhere. I'm coming right back. <laughs> I knew you would come back. I knew it because there's more to the story and it's. Bonkers. So you know that Mark Remley's missing, and you know that his wife, who he's like in a pitched battle, divorce battle with, uh, is sitting in the Huskow, right? No bond either on a murder for hire plot. Two million. That's an expensive hitman. Um, but you need to know about the little background. Those two wanted to, to do like a Cirque du Soleil show about horses. They have a lot of money. He inherited twenty six million. So they enlist a business partner to produce a. Cirque du ish kind of horse show. And its it doesn't go well. It's in 2012. I think they're supposed to have 45 shows. They have a grand total of four, so you could call that a colossal failure. Uh, that business partner said, if, if Tatiana hadn't been meddling and demanding to be star of the show, I think we would have done better. And the reason I know that is because Eric Martonovich is the professional horse trainer, performer, and former business partner of the Remleys. And he is with me live right now. Wow, am I glad to talk to you, Eric. First and foremost, where is Mark?
4: <laughs>
1: My guess, Hawaii. Um, that's kind of his MO. He gets in trouble, something goes bad, he gets scared, he runs away. So I would put money on him being in Hawaii.
3: Okay, so you're a business partner with this couple. It's not the greatest, uh, you know, producing partnership you've ever had in your life. It's a nightmare, as I have read about your experience. But now that you hear Tatiana has been hauled in on charges that she was soliciting a murder for two million, and she's in jail, and and he's vanished. What are you, what do you what's your read on this? What do you make of this whole development?
1: Um, karma, as far as I'm concerned, but. It's a. Uh, oh. I think she's completely full of it with all of her accusations. Mark is not an aggressive person, at least not everything. He's very meek and not 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 an aggressive person. The only time I ever saw him be aggressive was from behind a screen, like an email or something. Uh, so I, I don't. I doubt that he had any of the any of the stuff she's accusing him. I I doubt. Um, he pretty much Can is just you, a yes. There's a
3: picture. I want to show you, Erica a picture, and she's at a party with him. It's, I think it's part of this whole party scene, but she's got a belt. I think it's his belt around his neck, and she's yep. leading him sort of around the party. That's the one there. It yep. looks like it's all part of the same party. It's the same white dress. But, yep. I mean, this one stopped me in my tracks, given the fact that I'm getting the, the feeling that she was quite domineering.
1: Yeah, he did whatever she said. Didn't matter if it was a good idea, bad idea, made no difference. He I mean this picture really represents how the relationship was. He got drug around by her doing what she wanted with no real saying it. He just threw money at whatever it is she she wanted to do it, he threw money at it. That was that was basically their relationship. And um, in this, and this particular- fifty
3: thousand dollars a month. That she said in their divorce like, that she spent fifty thousand dollars a month to live. Did that sound about right to you? Is that you witness their lifestyle? Did that look like it was yep, that's what they spent.
1: Yeah, no, she uh, during the during the show she showed up one day with a horse and was like, Oh look, I just got this horse. I only spent seventy thousand dollars on him. The asking price for the horse at the time had been thirty K, so she managed to spend forty thousand dollars more than the asking price just because she decided she wanted that horse and someone saw a sucker written on her face, I guess.
2: Holy dinah. You know
3: what, Eric? This story's not going away. She's, uh, like I said earlier, she's got a, um, she has an appearance coming up, so we're going to follow it, and I'd love to call you back. Do you think you're going to be, I only have 10 seconds, do you think you're going to be called to testify in any of this?
1: I have no idea. I really didn't think I'd be called at all, and then all of a sudden I got people like you hit me up, so... Who knows. Right. guess we'll see.
3: Well, I'm, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> so don't block me. <laughs> Eric Martanovich, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll for talk me. soon. Okay. All right, folks. Um, still to come, NFL quarterback superstar Aaron Rodgers making news, not for what he's doing on the field, but for something he saw in the sky. He may play for the New York Jets now, but he says what he saw. Definitely wasn't a plane hovering above him. Yes, that is the X-Files music because the truth is out there. Aaron Rodgers is going to tell you what he saw next. So my husband loves uh, Hard Knocks, right? Um, And Aaron Rodgers, the newest New York Jet, has told this story on Hard Knocks that's just, like, mind-blowing. He says 20 years ago he saw a UFO and that two of his friends were with him and they saw it too. This was in 2005 in New Jersey. I just want you to hear him say it. Take a look.
8: We had this great dinner at his house in Jersey. I was making my way to bed and I had like a 5 a.m. wake up uh, and I was I was getting down to bed. I heard this alarm in the distance going off. Uh, It just didn't seem like normal when I heard some rustling downstairs. So I got up, walked downstairs. It was a beautiful night. And Steve and his brother and I walked outside and up in the clouds, you know, we, we heard this sound and we saw this tremendously large object moving through the sky. And it was like a scene out of Independence Day when... Ships are coming into the atmosphere and they're creating this, like, uh, kind of explosion type fire in the sky. (laughs) We just saw this incredibly large object and froze, as anybody would, because we know what the hell was going on. And eventually it went out of sight and nobody said a word. frozen, the three of us on the front stoop of of Steve's house. And about 30 seconds later, we heard the real recognizable sound of fighter jets going (laughs) that seemed to be chasing this object. Um, And again, we just stood there in just disbelief for another few minutes. Nobody said a word. And then we all kind of looked at each other like, did we just see what we think we just saw? <laughs> what was that? Eventually, you know, 20 minutes later, we kind of wound down a little bit and went back to bed. And then you're still not really sleeping because you just experience this bizarre experience. We looked in the papers and, the, and online the next few days, and there was nothing about it. That got me into researching more about UFOs. The siren or alarm had been from a nuclear power plant, which was about nine miles away. And if you know anything about UFOs, there's a lot of sightings around nuclear energy, around volcanoes, around power plants. But yeah, Steve and I, great friends, teammates, and also witnessed whatever the hell it was. I don't know, but it was definitely identified. It was definitely flying. It was definitely a large object.
5: Okay, you got
3: to watch the rest of that. That's um, Hard Knocks Training Camp with the New York Jets. It's streaming on Max right now. And now what I want to do is I want to take that New Jersey 2005 and cross-reference it with all the stuff the government's releasing. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you on Monday. Almost
0: Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.